As your pastor, I really want to see breakthrough in each and every one of your lives, okay? I love the idea of breakthrough. I love the word. I love the terminology. I love the verbiage. I looked it up in the dictionary, and it means an instance of achieving success in a particular sphere of activity. And uh, it's the instance of achieving success in a particular sphere of activity. If you're a parent, you want to have success in your child rearing. If you're a worker, you want to have success on the job. If you're a doctor, you want to have breakthrough technology. If you're a research scientist, you want to figure out how to get a breakthrough on DNA research or come against Alzheimer's or things like that. And uh, it's a step forward. It's advancement. It's development. It's a step in the right direction. It's success. It's improvement. And I think the preeminent foundational Old Testament reference is where I want to start. And that's in 1 Chronicles, the 14th chapter. And in my New American Standard Bible, it uh, has a that on the heading, this isn't in the original Hebrew, this is what the, the translators thought they should de define and describe and uh, for the reader what to anticipate of this, these paragraphs, 17 verses. Uh, it says in the heading of my Bible, David's family enlarged. David's family enlarged. That's advancement. That's achievement. That's development. That's going forward. Uh, enlargement is... Uh, you know, what Jabez prayed, oh, that you would bless me indeed, that your hand would be with me, that you'd expand my boundaries, and that you would uh, deliver me from pain and the painful way of being a pain and experiencing so much garbage. You ever pray that you would be delivered from being a pain? Yeah. I have. That's a prayer I pray often. My wife just said, that's a good prayer. <laughs> She's right. First Chronicles, the 14th chapter, it says, So Hiram, the king of Tyre, sent messengers to David with cedar trees, masons, carpenters, to build a house for him. It starts out with a bang. Favor. This happened to Nehemiah. Read stories in the Bible about how God created provision for the people of God. It's amazing. In the case of Nehemiah, they provided wood and they provided free entry through uh, the boundaries, the borders were really tight in those days. They wouldn't even let you pass. And he got a, he got a pass from the king. He, got a, uh, he paid time off so he could go and do his thing. He was a cupbearer for the king, Nehemiah was. And God supplied for him masons and woodworkers and, and people that knew how to develop and build the hinges on these big, beautiful doors and the gated cities and Stonemasons that knew how to build the walls and those kinds of architectural things. And in 52 days, they rebuilt the wall. In David's case, this king wanted to bless him so he could build a house and gave him all the materials. I remember when we were in Kosovo, we stepped out in faith, launched through prayer. We saw a news report and felt prompted to go. We went. I had already had Albania in my heart when I was uh, reading a book that some ladies had written when at that time it was southern Yugoslavia, they, they sent them into the wilderness of southern Yugoslavia and said, tomorrow you die. They just had these ladies. They were giving Bibles away in Albania, and it was illegal at the time. And um, they paid quite a price for it. They just let them go, and God delivered them. 
And they came back to write a story, and I put a young person in touch. I was a single person. It wasn't in ministry. Read this book, and God put the Albanian people in my heart. I had to look on the map. I had to do the cross-reference to find where Albania was. I didn't know the geography. I was pretty good at geography, but I didn't know where Albania was. And I found it, and, uh, you know, we have actually a tethered kind of a connection from our church body to that, that part of the world. And we can't do everything everywhere, but we can do something somewhere, and that's, us. that's what we do. So God supplies. So while we were there, God gave us so much favor, and he gave us an area of responsibility, and then he gave us, uh, you know, the ability to build these little shelters for people to get them in the winter months. It's as harsh as it is here, and they would freeze to death in those, those uh, United Nations uh, canvas tents. So they needed something with some uh, R values, so we created the foam core kind of a little shelters and with wood floors. Heino from Denmark gave us wood so we could build the flooring. And then the uh, good old Salvation Army gave us wood-burning stoves. I didn't even know we needed wood-burning stoves. And uh, they had given us like 30 or 40 wood-burning stoves, something like that. 150 wood-burning stoves. Our cup runneth over. And uh, so here, David has all this wonderful provision and there, he's in the midst of a blessing. And David realized that the Lord had established him as king over Israel. Do you realize the Lord has established you as a new creature in Christ? Do you realize that when you became a, a believer, your citizenship transferred and now you're a citizen of heaven? And that you have certain inalienable rights downloaded through Jesus Christ. You've been given his authority, delegated authority. You've been given authority to bind on, on earth and loose on earth certain things. You've been given designation to pray huge prayers. Jesus said in, in Mark chapter 11, have faith in God. Have the God kind of faith. Have confidence in God. Be firmly persuaded. Be fully persuaded in your own mind. The devil's vying for this, but I'm glad you're in church so you can hear a different viewpoint. I'm teaching you God's word. I'm doing my level best. I'm not spin doctoring. I'm not trying to embellish anything. I'm not exaggerating. I've been at this a long time. This is what happened to David. When he realized there was some blessing happening in his life and that God was establishing his, him as king over Israel and that his kingdom was highly exalted for the sake of his people Israel. It's not just all about us. It's not just for personal consumption. Although God does want to bless us, he does want to tend to our needs. He does want to elevate our life. He is the resurrection and the life. He, he, there's no problem with that. We can, we can receive that because the Bible says he not only provides seed for the sower, but also bread for food. And he increases our harvest of righteousness. God wanted to bless David. He needed to have a house. But then with his house, he thought, well, God's put his hand on me so I could be a better servant. God's gifted me so that because there are people attached to my obedience, I better be obedient. And then David, in this case, took more wives at Jerusalem, and David became the father of, men, of more sons and daughters. This whole multiple wives thing blows my mind like it does yours. I don't get it. It's Old Testament. It's not happening anymore, but whatever. It's just being fruitful. Everybody say, be fruitful. It's not advocating polygamy. It's just basically saying, in that case... It trips me out. When I, when I get to heaven, that's going to be one of the things I'm going to ask God about. But I probably won't care when I get there. <laughs> Pastor Jeff, did you ask God about it? Never mind, man. Um, it's all right. It doesn't matter. But what does matter is he increased fruitfulness. Everybody say increased fruitfulness. And these, and then named off the children. 
that were born to him in Jerusalem, Shemua, Shobab, Nathan, Solomon, Ibnar, Ibhar, uh, and all these other guys. Okay, so then when uh, the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all Israel, all the Philistines went up in search of David, and David heard of it and went out against them. Here's the deal. The start, he gets a realization that he's anointed, but he immediately comes under attack because of that anointing. The Bible says persecution arises for the word's sake. So a lot of people, they go, well, ignorance is bliss, then let's just stay neutral. Neutral is more dangerous than deliberate. Because the devil doesn't care. He, he will, he, he, he's evil. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You cannot negotiate with him. You cannot back off. There are people that would go to chemo treatments and then come here to serve at Jump, out in the hot sun. People that never, you never hear a peep out of them. This is the culture of the kingdom. We fight the good fight of faith. One thing I like about Prime Minister Winston Churchill was after the stupid Nazis bombed London, the next day they would find Winston Churchill routinely with his bowler hat and a cigar walking down the street of the, of the street that got bombed, encouraging the people that live there, we're going to clean this up and we're going to win and we're going to defeat these stupid Nazis. And David basically is in this moment where he's, got, he's not going, why me, why me, I'll back off, I won't fulfill my calling. No, he gets some strategy about him. He understands how, that God's his shepherd. We heard that in Psalm 23. He understands that God's his provider. He's the guy who got to fight and defeat Goliath. And before that, he defeated a lion and a bear when he was a shepherd. And he connected the dots of testimony. I think tonight, you know, this has become a tradition here. We have the, you know, after, this will burn a lot of calories. This service is designed to burn calories off you. All your gravy's already been burned out of you. But I don't know if we're going to be able to get to the mashed potatoes. That's a pretty big deal. But, we, but basically what we want to do is be grateful tonight. We want to have a night of giving thanks. And thanking God for who he is and what he does and what his capabilities are. What he's doing in the contemporary in our own church with our own church members. What he did in history and antiquity with people, the great Jewish people like King David who understood. Let it rouse your faith. Let it stir your heart. It gets better. Listen to this. The Philistines attacked him and they came and made a raid in the valley of Rephaim. But David inquired of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord. And what he did, first of all, you, number one, he realized his potential. It occurred to him that God had anointed him. You need to realize your potential. Once you realize your potential, number two, commit to productivity. Commit to productivity. We're all in a search of significance. I get that. I'm a human being like you. I, I want you to understand that we must not confuse activity with achievement. We need to learn to understand, hey, God, what is my particular gifting? What do you want me to do? In the general, I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to crucify my flesh. I'm going to follow through and serve God. I'm going to, I'm going to beat the path to the word. I'm going to beat my path to the church. I'm going to beat my path to endeavor to pray and share the gospel and, and communicate faith. Become productive. Commit to productivity. Trust God to help you to distinguish between and differentiate between wheel-spinning activity 
and real achievement. Paul said, I don't want to beat the air. Make, I want my blows to count. I don't want to box as though I'm flailing my arms in the air. I've been told by boxers that to throw your arm and not connect, it, it could damage your shoulders and your elbows. So it's actually dangerous to just flail your arms. So we got to make our blows count. Hallelujah. Number three, realistically assess the battle you're in. David inquired of the Lord. He said, God, shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? See, he wasn't presumptuous. He went to the commander-in-chief for directives, his Lord, his master. And in prayer, he inquired of God, God, should I do this? That would be the natural reaction. But what do you want me to do? So he listened, he inquired of the Lord, then he bothered to listen. And um, he said, will you give them into my hand? Then the Lord said to him, go up, for I will give them into your hand. So this is where we have to assess the situations we're in. Be calibrated in prayer. Be inclined to prayer. And then it says, verse 11, this is epic to me. When I saw this a few years ago, this imprinted, this fused deeply into my, it's embedded in my spirit. This phrase out of verse 11 is, is central. This is what I'm going to be addressing through this next month. So they came to Baal Perazim, and David defeated them there. And David said, God has broken through my enemies by my hand like the breakthrough of waters. Therefore, they named the place Baal Perazim. Now, this is something you just pass through in so many verses in the Bible, but they named the place Baal Perazim, and in my margin of my Bible, it says, in the literal Hebrew, it's master of breakthrough. Everybody say, master of breakthrough. How many of you found the Lord to be the master of breakthrough in your life? Come on. Come on. We who fought the good fight, we who've gone through a thing or two. How many of you have been through a thing or two? That's completely biblical. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, for the Lord, but the Lord will deliver them out of them all. You don't need a pastor to get up and embellish and candy coat and dodge all kinds of stuff. And you don't need somebody that's overly negative. Just everything is just all awful. God didn't put these attacks on my body to teach me things. The enemy came to attack me. What God put on me was his realization that he uh, is the healer and that I, I'm to fight the good fight of faith with this. Right? Not in denial. They both, you know, they both, you take good care of yourself. You know, you go to a doctor. Doctors go and study for 75 years and spend $3 million to get their education. We, and they know about anatomy and they know about things. We ought to listen to the ones that are competent and good and just listen to them. They're there to keep Christians alive long enough so we'll fulfill our calling. So that's good while we're fighting the good fight of faith. So David, you know, here, here's what we do. We, we, we're realistic, but we're also Godistic and we inquire of the Lord. And then what do we do? Come up swinging. Fight the good fight of faith. Look at somebody next to you and say, fight the good fight. Fighting the good fight. We are among many things to fight the good fight of faith. We're the bride of Christ. We're the body of Christ. We're also warriors. And we fight the good fight of faith. We're soldiers. So they named it Baal Perizim, master of the breakthrough. Breakthrough. What a great word. Breakthrough, not breakdown. Breakthrough to the other side. 
I remember when the lunar landing happened. It was a breakthrough in aerospace. Breakthrough when these stupid wars cease. Breakthrough when the Berlin Wall came down. Addison was a little child. We were standing at the Berlin Wall looking through, talking to the East German. We saw the break of that stupid uh, Iron Curtain. And then we saw nations that were previously unreachable where the gospel and the Bible wasn't allowed to penetrate and the word of God is not in prison and we watched it change in my lifetime. Kids have already forgotten that I've gone to villages where they complain because of the socialist impact with competent, educated, skilled, hardworking, committed people in Kosovo. We need jobs. So we tried to bring a job uh, hub into an area of Jakova. We we gathered the great business minds of our church, medical doctors, former military leaders. We put it all together, a big binder. We went to present it, and they shot it down because of this crazy mentality of, of the socialist mentality. Young people ought to study this. It cripples whole parts of the world. It demeans humanity. It does not enable people to be their best. They wanted to work. We were getting ready to create an indoor soccer place and create. We had a vision. We weren't taking a nickel from it. It We're just giving people jobs with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, with the kingdom mentality that God's gifted us in the enablement that he's put on us so we could get out there. And in all labor, there's profit. Whatever you put your hand to will prosper. Shot it down with bureaucracy. Just fatalistic bureaucracy. Killed it. David is like, man, God's blessed me. Let's build a house. Yeah. Guy goes, I'll give you the land. I'll give you the stuff for it. Man, let's crank out some babies. He cranked out a whole bunch of babies. And then the Philistines go, let's stop this. And he goes, God, what do I do? Go fight him. I'll give him, I'll give him into your hand. He memorializes the place. Master of breakthrough. Everybody say it. Master of breakthrough. I, am, I own this verse, and I hope you do too. David did. He embraced this. He called, this is what Jewish people did. They would call the breakthrough and the, the place like Shiloh. And they would call these places Siloam. And they'd name these places after the things that God did. Yeah. They told him to bring stones out of the bottom of the, Red, uh, of the Jordan River when they crossed. God did a, a miracle there, a water miracle like he did with the Red Sea. He stopped the, the, the waters from flowing on a very strong, strong river. Jordan is a strong river. And they walked across. And people were designated from the leadership of the tribes to take stones and stack them up so that when the kids walk by and they ask, what are those? Say, well, I'll tell you what happened. In our generation, God stopped this river so we could get across and we built a memorial to attest to that. And those memorial stones speak today. This is a memorial stone that speaks to me when we go through our particular battles. That God is our God. So... In verse 12, they abandoned their, their gods there. So David gave the order and they were burned with fire. When a breakthrough occurs, repentance uh, and irreversible change occurs. This happens in revival. People repent from, turn from their idols, turn to God from their dumb idols to worship and serve the living God. And change occurs. And that's about to happen in our time. The Philistines made yet another raid in the valley. You don't think this is just going to be easy breezy. David did not get on autopilot. David didn't try to duplicate what worked last week. 
I've seen this in church life. Somebody gets touched by God, and then they want to replicate that every weekend for the rest of their lives. Run, laugh, play this certain song, yell real loud or whatever. And it's like, no, maybe God wants to do something completely different the next weekend. And I think he does because he's so engaged and interested in variety. I don't know how many thousands of different kinds of ferns there are on the earth. I mean, I don't, you don't even think about ferns. You didn't think about a fern until I just told you about ferns. And there are loads of them. They're still finding species of animals, not only in the deep, deep parts of the ocean, but even in the Congo. They recently found a new primate. There's so many cool things out there we don't know about. And no two things are alike. No two people are alike. I had a, we were at a banquet and I was sitting between two, three lawyers. No two of them are alike. One is the city executor from St. Charles who I've enjoyed fellowshipping with and talking to. The other one was the guy that was our city attorney. It was very interesting what they said to me up there while we were talking. Very interesting moments I had. And I just think, these two guys are completely, they were both judges, totally different people. All three of them were judges, totally different people, yeah. totally different. Uh, I've had the opportunity to engage with them over the years, and they're no two. We have four kids. Our kids aren't anything alike. And here we are at church. What an eclectic crew we are. Cults try to go all uniform. Not so with the body of Christ. Lungs, kidneys, liver, ribs, right? We all have such a necessity to keep relying on God. No two days are alike. No two battles are alike. So general things we can learn, and this is what we learned from David, that in the breakthrough, we have got to get, stay off of cruise control and autopilot and constantly go to God about every single thing in your life. Stay off cruise control and autopilot. Constantly go to God about every single thing in your life. We need to ask God where we should have lunch. And I'll tell you, I've had different brothers that challenged me on this over the years. Like, oh, come on, man, you're being so picky. Just make up your mind. And every time they prompted me to do that, I got way out of God's will. I got in trouble where I almost died. They pushed me and they challenged me like, that's weird. You're just being, what are you fixated on this? This is weird. Why would you pray about all that? Just, just go do it. And then I said, so, well, okay. And I succumbed to that. <laughs> so I could come back and tell you not to. <laughs> I, I, now, listen, I want to I be clear. I'm not advocating procrastination. I'm not like Christians say, well, I'll pray about it just so that they, they put off a decision making. I, I'm not advocating that. We do need to be decisive. But we need to be prayerful in our decision making. Right? Those of us that are pushy and compulsive need to learn to Chill out a little bit. Those of us that are reticent and apprehensive need to learn to press in a little bit. Right? I just got everybody in here. And the way David showed it is I'm going to inquire about God, from God. I'm going to ask God what he wants me to do. How do you want me to do this? What do you want me to do or not do? And that keeps us, if you hear, David was a man after God's own heart. He would do God's will and he would find out what God's will was. Find out what God's will is. And go after it and do it. Spend a little, spend a little time. 
One time we had one of the most illustrious opportunities afforded us, but I had learned in Bible school that the man that makes haste with his feet errors, and that scripture burnished into my system, and I thought, okay, that one of the, God spoke to me, said, one of the plagues of your life will be opportunity. You're going to have so much opportunity, you're going to have to differentiate what my will is with just good ideas, and you're going to have to watch out. And that's, that's one of the dangers of being an effective Christian. You'll get so many great opportunities that the tyranny of the urgent confuses with the important. And that's why we've got to pray. What do you want me to do? So he says, you want me to go fight him? Yeah, go put a whooping on him. I'm going to give him into your hands. Woohoo! Bail parism, master of the breakthrough, hallelujah, but yet not hallelujah just yet. David's not in his hammock drinking iced tea. He's, they start flaring up again. What do, you want me, do you want me to uh, go and do the same thing I did last week? He said, you shall not go up after them, verse 14. You shall not go up after them. Circle around behind them and come at them in front of the balsam trees. Yeah. <laughs> David's like, say what? That's an interesting battle plan. It shall be when you hear the sound of, of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, which I guess was the wind, then you shall go out to battle. For God will have gone out before you to strike the army of the Philistines. David did just as God had commanded him. What did Balaam say? I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do either more or less. And they struck down the army of the Philistines from Gibeon even as far as Gezer. Then verse 17, Then the fame of David went out into all the lands, and the Lord brought the fear of him on all the nations. So, again, number one, realize your potential. David recognized that God had his hand on him. Number two, make a commitment to become productive. Be focused on fruitfulness, achievement, advancement, breakthrough. Pay particular attention to this. Don't back off for a second. Number three, realistically assess the battle you're in. Look at what you're dealing with. Facts are friends. Get tests. Go take, figure out, take care of yourself. Deal with it. Don't let people push you around. Get out there and scrap and fight the good fight of faith every day. Amen. Number one is realize your potential. Number two is become productive. Number three is re realistically assess the battle you're in. Number four, fight the good fight of faith. Number five, stay off cruise control and autopilot. Constantly go to God about every single cotton-picking thing in your life, including where you have lunch. Because I'm going to tell you, there might be the woman at the well at your lunch. There might be Nicodemus at your lunch. We've had it happen so many times. It's amazing. I want to say crazy or freaky, but it's just amazing. We'll walk right into a situation and go, God just did this. We'll be 2,000 miles from somewhere, and God will weave us right into a deal. Boink, there it is. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And those of us that are attempting to walk with the Lord have an awareness of this potential. It's not mystical or magical. It's not uh, just for an elite few. I mean, the, the New Testament is different than the Old Testament. The Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon certain ones like Moses or Elijah to do certain things upon them. They didn't have the new birth. Their lives were in a terrible state. They hadn't experienced salvation through Jesus Christ. We have. 
And so now the Holy Spirit is poured out on all flesh, plus we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, and he lives on the inside of us. And we could actually follow his promptings and not be weird about it. Really be led by the Holy Spirit and yield to him and listen to him. Uh, just even in simple things, subtle things. And this is my last point, be obedient. Isaiah 119 says that if we're willing and obedient, we're going to bust a move with the homies and bust the enemy in the chops and bust through all the restraints and we shall by all means possess the land. Breakthrough. Everybody say breakthrough. Let's all stand up on our feet. We're going to pray about this. And I'm believing God for breakthrough for you on the individual level. I'm believing God for us for breakthrough as a church body. I'm believing God for breakthrough in the bi-state area. I'm believing God for St. Louis to be a blessing. Breakthrough in St. Louis. Economics, jobs, housing, so forth. Blessing on lives. Blessing on people. Abating of hassles, attacks, weird demonic strife and things, rivalries and evils. We break it in the name of Jesus. While we live here, we might as well support it and believe God for the very best for where we live. Advancement and blessing. Why not? People before us worked hard to get us to this point. We might as well not let up. Spiritually, we've got something we could say about it. We don't need to let our nation go to hell with false conclusions and distorted agendas. We might as well believe God it'll sustain. Since we now have a baby boob coming with kids, we want them to inherit something decent and not something flat and without fizz in it.